All right. Oh, my word, folks, 36 weeks. You didn't think we would do it, but anyway, we did. 36 weeks we have been in the Equip series. 36 weeks we have taken you through uh, what we have gone through. And so we are excited, though, that we started with a, what we believe is foundational. And we're coming to, if you will remember, we have every time in this six-week series, we preach for five weeks and then we do a call practice. By the way, the verses are on version, and you can grab those uh, and get those uh, off there today. But um, for 36 weeks, what we did was, is that we looked at this concept of really what does it mean to have somebody be a disciple, and then we would have, again, five weeks of teaching, and then we would do what we call a praxis, and we try to make it very practical. Remember on prayer, we had times for you to go and pray, or we had the book that we gave that you that you would do um, a devotional with us, and we were doing the word section. Um, there are times when you have the sacrifice, but you come up and have those apples, the idea of giving the best to God, our first fruits, and we've been trying to do this, and this rock has been sitting here uh, for the last few weeks, and I keep pointing to this rock, and now you see there's other things over there that will become important in a little bit, and uh, yeah, it's going to be group participation time, folks, uh, so I want you to know that I'll be calling on some of you to help me out, um, but in doing this, uh, our heart has come to this moment, to this day, uh, to try to visualize for you, to hopefully commission you, to challenge you, um, to do what God has called us to do. And, and I just want you to know that last week, uh, last week's message and the week before, if you have not had a chance to uh, go back and, and look at this, I do encourage you to do so. Um, there's some things that you need to wrestle through, things I needed to wrestle through, um, and I think it would be appropriate for you to do so. Last week, we finished up with this idea of wash, rinse, repeat, this idea that we'd be doing this um, again and again and again, that this is our life, that we become someone who is a disciple who uses the word and prayer and being a servant and sacrifice to become a discipler. But there were two verses I left out of last week because I wanted to connect them to this week. And it's this, same in, the first, same in first Thessalonians. Remember, this is, I love first Thessalonians. First Thessalonians is this book where he's just, he's honoring them for being imitators, that, that the word of God is just pouring out from them. Like, uh, it was just so awesome. But look what he says to this, by the way, this group that is setting the bar, look what he says in First Thessalonians 4, 1. Finally, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. Even though they're the bar, even though they're example, they're, they're the fellowship, they've, they've turned their back on idols, they've done this. Here is Paul going, do so more and more. Because they're doing it. But, but folks, we've all been there. We're doing it and then it becomes less and less. Then he goes on to say in verse, same, same chapter, verse 4, verses 9 and 10. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. So he's going, you guys are doing it. You don't even need me to teach you. You're the model. Look what he says. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. So today's message, going off of last week's message, is that how do we be a church that keeps telling you to do this more and more? That you don't stop. That you don't stop. 
Because, folks, if we don't believe that there are people that will go to hell without Jesus Christ, then we don't get it. I've used this illustration before. For some of you, this will be new. There is a magician, well-known. He speaks all over, a guy named Penn Gillette. He's a part of the team of Penn & Teller, has a theater in Las Vegas. Penn is a, uh, uh, an atheist, by the way, an advocate for atheism, speaks about atheism everywhere, um, has a podcast where he speaks about atheism. Um, I listen to his podcast. I don't suggest that you do all the time. It's pretty much of an R-rated uh, or higher podcast. Um, the reason I listen to it, though, is that it helps me to understand where an atheist concept comes from and allows me to understand where Scripture is, so I just kind of have been there. But he said something in a podcast about nine years ago. And you would think that he's an atheist, that, that, that he would not want to have anything to do with Christianity. Actually, he came from a Christian home. He reads the Bible every day, which I think is really interesting. By the way, I can't say that about everybody in the room. He reads the Bible every day. But he has, and he showed a picture of boxes and boxes and boxes of Bibles, and he's kept every one of them. Because everyone who comes up to him after a show, sees him someplace, and hands him a Bible, he thanks them graciously, receives it, and keeps it. And if it gets a chance, he writes him a letter saying thank you. He has boxes and boxes of Bibles. Why? He says this. He says, those Christians, if they believe that I am going to hell and they love me enough to hand me a Bible, why would I not receive someone who loves me enough who does not want me to go to eternal damnation? Why would I not receive that? If that's what their true core belief is, that I'm going to hell, and they come to me and hand me a Bible and say, I hope this changes your heart, and they hand it to me with love and graciousness, why would I not receive that gift? He goes, it's the same concept that if you saw a bus coming to hit me and you didn't yell or push me out of the way, how evil that would be. And he goes, this is what I'm saying. If you are a believer in Christ and you are not telling people that you love that they're going to hell, you are evil for not telling them. That is from an atheist. By the way, that clip is used by Campus Crusade of Christ all the time. Because in doing so, what does Pendulette get? the heart of someone who believes something so desperately that if you then turn around and go, nah, I don't want to bother anybody with it. I don't want to say anything to anybody. I want to really, I mean, who am I? He's saying, I will take anybody that they believe that they're trying to save my soul. I'll receive that. I'll receive that. How do we be people that look into our inner circles to those around us and say to them, I would be remiss, maybe even evil, if I did not share with them that there's hope for where they're going to in eternity. And so with that, we have this next section called the connection. The connection. This will all hopefully make sense by the time we get done. In 1 Samuel 2, 2, it says, There is none like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God rock. There is no rock like our God. There is nothing that has that stability. There is no way you can go to Yosemite and look up at Half Dome and not see this grandeur, this power, this immovableness, right, of what is up there. There is no rock 
like our God. Psalm 62, 1 and 2. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. To have that permanence... To have that where you say, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. For him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock. He alone is my rock. There is security there. We do know we're not supposed to build our, our, our houses on the sand. We build our houses on the... There is something so visual... That in this, he says again, he alone is my rock and my salvation. That imagery is supposed to put into us a permanence, a movable. That's what it's supposed to be calling us to. So again, in this whole series, if you remember, Brett did the, the tower of glasses and then the large tree and then had that whole thing about, the, about us having, uh, being servants with the towels. We've asked Brett all along to be doing these art pieces that, that make us look at something and go, what is this about? And so we asked him to make this rock. So Brett made our rock. Because bringing that size of a rock into this, well, it, wouldn't have, it would have fell through the floor. But but this idea of trying to get this, and this isn't, I mean, this isn't big enough. This rock that is our fortress. Look at the imagery that is being spoken about there. Psalm 118, 1 and 2. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Folks, that is two verses that is just trying to, that is me putting five underlines underneath something. Does that make sense? Let me read to you again. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. This is David crying out of where his foundation is, where he is secure, where he hides behind. When you know David's story and what's going on with him, that there's so many times when he just goes, I have to have you. There's nothing else that, that saves me. There's nothing else that, else that perseveres me, perseveres through with me. There's nothing else. You are my rock. You are the deliverer. I'm standing in this place. And without you, I am nothing. You are my stronghold. See, the thing is, is that I want you to know that we put a lot of hope into a lot of things. Some of us put our hope into our jobs or our abilities, um, our, our savings. Sometimes we put our hope in our luck, our quick wit, the fact that we think fast on our feet, or I'm strong enough, I can will this into being. And Jesus comes along and just goes, no, 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 none of that. It's God, it's me. We're it. Because everything else 
can go. Everything else can fade. So in this, I want you to understand that we're trying to have it be like, okay, if we're coming to this last part and we want them to be disciplers, we don't want to give you a plan that you put your hope in. We don't want to give you a church you put your hope in. We definitely don't want to give you a pastor that you put your hope in. We want to point you to the rock. That you anchor into the rock. That you tie into the rock. Hebrews 6.19, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. That is Jesus going behind the curtain, that we get to anchor into him who is able to go into the Holy of Holies. And I don't have time to unpack all of what that looks like in the book of Hebrews, but notice the verbiage. We have this as a sure, steadfast anchor. So, Just go with me on this. 75 pounds lighter, I used to rock climb. Thank you. (laughs) I haven't gotten any strength since I was 75 pounds lighter. So now if I rock climb, I'm just basically that same weakling now with 75 pound backpack on his back. Does that make sense? I don't spider up the wall like I used to. Now I... Have people pull the rope and help me get to the next level. (laughs) But when I used to rock climb, I learned a lot. And it's interesting, this idea of rock climbing. Uh, For for many of you, it's like, why do we even climb a rock? And the answer is, because it's there. But it's interesting about rock climbing. It's exercise. It's getting out. It's pushing yourself. It's trying things out. And so because of a, of a ministry I was with, we did rock climbing. It's a part of that ministry. So I learned a lot about rock climbing, and, and I did a lot of rock climbing. But what's interesting about this idea is that um, it's all about safety. And so when we would anchor in, you anchor into the rock. Because that's the thing that's not moving. So you anchor into the rock. So you have your harness and you have all those things, but, but, but honestly, you're anchoring into the rock. So in 1 Peter 3.15, it says this, But in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord is holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. And I've already used this passage a few weeks ago, but I want to show you this. But in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord is holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you. So you're living in such a way that they ask the question. And when they ask the question, you have an answer. Watch this next line. For a reason for the hope that is in you. So in my giving an answer, what I'm telling them about is my hope is in the rock. That's what I'm anchoring to. My hope is in the rock. And so it's, it's interesting. I could have the best harness. I could have the best ropes. I could have everything else. By the way, none of that matters unless that stuff is tied into the rock. This doesn't matter. So in that time, we, we have to learn to trust this, 
this things we're anchored into. We went, I had a friend of mine that we went bouldering and we were setting up a, a, a top anchor. Top anchor, you go in and you're setting up a route and so you set up a top anchor so that way they can all clip in. And this bolt thing was, I don't know, probably about this big and it was a bolt and we drilled it into the rock with a, with a drill hammer and then we used epoxy and we put this whole thing and we cranked it all down. And I said to him, I said, is this thing gonna hold? Because isn't that what you're thinking? He goes, Jeff, this thing is rated to hold a car. This thing is rated to hold a car. If we put it in the way it's supposed to go, it's rated to hold a car. I think it'll help hold you, right, if you fall off. Okay, that made me feel better. But the concept is, is that had, to me, it's not as much about the anchor. We were anchoring into the what? Because that anchor can hold a car, but not if you anchored into dirt. Not if you anchored into sand. See, it's all coming back to this place of the rock. And so where's my hope? So in this, we're trying to have you get to this place where we're saying to you, okay, we want you to be a discipler. But you've got to be very clear of what you're anchored into. If you're anchored into a personality, and we watched pastor after pastor fail, and by the way, watch people after people then leave the church. Because they weren't anchored into the rock, they were anchored into the pastor. We've watched situations that have gone bad and people are like, oh, no, no, we thought you were anchored in. No, they were, ho- they were anchored, anchored into this hope that God would always just protect them. Or they were anchored into this hope that God would never let anything bad happen to them. Their theology was wrong. Because God says the storms are going to come whether you build on the rock or on the sand. Where's the anchor point? And so what happens is we're trying to say to you, what can we do to help you? Because as you do reach out, that's the next part. As you do reach out, we want you to be anchored into truth. This is it. This is where it goes. So watch this. This is 13, Acts 13, 47. For the Lord has commanded us saying, I have made you a light to the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. I have made you a light to the Gentiles that you may bring salvation. Our job is to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And what we're doing is we're anchoring those people back to the rock. Again, not to a ministry, not to a personality, not to a building, not to a structure, to the rock. I've had years of people that would come to me and go, yeah, we left, we moved away, job called me someplace else. We just can't find a church like yours, so we just don't even go to church anymore. They think they're complimenting me because what they're saying and they think that is like, oh, we just couldn't find a church like yours. And what they're really saying to me is you weren't anchored to the rock. You were anchored into a style. You were anchored into a certain situation. I've had people literally years later like, yeah, we still haven't found a church. Because they're looking for something, but they're not looking for the rock. So in our struggle, what do we do? Because our job is that I want people to go to heaven. I don't necessarily want them to come to the church in which I preach.
I remember uh, I was a youth pastor. We decided to combine all of our youth groups. We rented an old uh, um, uh, furniture store, and we put on a group. And I remember the senior pastors, and, and sadly, mine was one of them, who said, well, what's going to happen to all these kids? Which church are they going to go to after you do this big outreach? Which church are they going to go to? And I said, I don't care. And he goes, you're kidding. They should come here. And I go, why don't they just go back to the church of the person that brought them? See, because what happens is we get territorial. Folks, lost people need to go wherever they can find Jesus and be grown in him and be connected to him. Acts 20, 18 through 24, and this is where we're going to sit. Last week I ended with this passage. I wanted to give you the context with this so as we walk into this. By the way, this is a beautiful picture. Paul, by the way, if he spent any time significantly, it was in the, it was in the city of Ephesus. Ephesus is by the school. We had the school of Terenius. That's where all these people would come from Asia. It says by the time he left Ephesus, all of Asia had heard the gospel because of what he had done in the city of Ephesus. For whatever reason, out of all of his travels, it is really the church of Ephesus that really spoke to him most. I think it's where he had the closest relationships it's really powerful. So I went really fast through that. I'm really sorry. I, when I realize I'm going fast, then I know I'm going fast. So I apologize. Um, so he's, he's in that t- town of Ephesus. When he comes back through, it's the only group where he calls the elders of Ephesus to meet him on a beach. And he meets them on a beach because he's going to have them pray over him because he knows that when he leaves, the Holy Spirit already told him he's not coming back. We know, because we read the rest of the scriptures, this is where he gets arrested and he's sent off to go be before Caesar Augustus. But he doesn't know yet. He'll, he'll even speak to that in a second. He just knows the Spirit has told him this will be the last time he's with them. So he's sitting on this beach, and this is what he says to them. And when, he came to, and when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I, lo- how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plot of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. How I did not shrink from, prepare, from, from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. Testifying to both Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and of our faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. He knows that he's heading to something very hard. But watch this. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Let me say this. Paul is anchored to the rock. Paul is anchored to the rock. So I don't know what I'm heading into, but I'm anchored to the rock. I know what I did here under trials. I did this, but I want to finish well because I'm anchored to the rock. So, with that, we have this. Very simple sentence. It's one of those things that gets missed in Scripture because of its power. This sentence says this. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Now, let me tell you something. It just sounds like those who were scattered went about preaching the word. What has happened? 
Stephen speaks. There's this guy named Paul, who at this time is named Saul, who holds the jackets. They stone Stephen to death. A great outcry happens, and the Christians within the city of Jerusalem are scattered. Now, let me explain to you scattered. That means they lost their businesses. That means they lost family members. That means that people turned their back on them. That means that they realized that if they didn't grab their stuff and run, they were going to be imprisoned. They were going to be tortured. Do you understand? That is scattered. And this little sentence... This little sentence blows my mind. Now, those who are scattered went about preaching the word. See, when we get scattered, one of the things that happens to us is we get worried about the fact, well, what are we going to do? and What's going to happen? And where are we going to go? These people were anchored to the rock. So when they got to a new town, they preached the word. Can I tell you right now, I know it to be true that there are those who have lost their homes up in paradise who are sitting in a shelter telling other people, listen to me, telling other people about Jesus. There are stories that came out of Katrina of people that got scattered and displaced and moved all over our country who, by the way, went into homes that were good people, loving people, accepted them in, And those people who came from Katrina gave the gospel to the people in that home and saved that whole family. Because as they got scattered, they preached the word. Because they were connected to the rock. See, the thing is, what happens is, is that life is going to happen. But when someone comes into your home, you're going, you've lost everything, your house is destroyed, and that person looks on you and goes, yeah, But, but, I'm connected to the rock. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Those people who have everything are looking at you going, you have nothing, but you have more than me. Brett was saying, we're talking uh, with, um, by the way, pray for um, Annie and her husband Caleb. Uh, Seven of their aunts and uncles lost their homes up uh, up in paradise. Now, the reason why that becomes significant is some of you guys know that Annie's home burned down a few years ago. And Brett was telling a story that her father, when he came over the next day after the fire, he had a list, two-page list of all things he had to do. Call insurance company, make sure this is done, make sure that's done. But Brett saw the front page of the list, and the front page of the list is that um, Alberto had written for 30 minutes all the things he was grateful for before he started his list. Because he's connected to the So, here's what we're going to do. Group participation time. Some of you, this is when you look down because I'm going to call on you. I've already called on one. Come up, Mrs. Temple. You're coming up. Yep. I'll I'll get you. Amir, you're coming up. Mr. Hess, you're coming up. Uh, Let's do... Patty, we'll have you come up. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do this to people. You're all fine. Come, yeah, be careful. Don't lose anybody here. Uh, Mr. Meyer, you're coming up. Let's see. Everyone's all looking like, I love how some people look away. That's fine. Rick, come on up. Uh, let's see. I want to, I want to get people that are going to be uncomfortable. Caleb, come on up. We just prayed for your family. Let's come on up. Uh, stuff like that. Get that going. 
Cliff, come on up. Okay. Each one of you, reach around and grab one of those things that are behind you. Uh, you'll see it on there. Each of you, grab one, please. So, if you want to know what I did to, yesterday afternoon, uh, I made these. My hands are tired. So, let me explain something to you. They're all got one? Hopefully there's enough. Okay. So, you're going to find out that um, there's a whole wall of these over here. Because um, we're going to give you a chance to take one home. So I made these yesterday. Uh, we've been planning this as a staff for a while. Uh, you have to imagine that you're in a harness. You have to imagine. But we are doing something different. There's a red end and there's a blue end. The red end will be significant in a minute. The blue end, by the way, uh, we had engraved you. says, go and make disciples. Cedars Church. So here's the deal. See, the way it goes into the rock is that because it's red, the blood of Christ covers us. Does it not? So what you do is you anchor in to the rock. Right? Right. (laughs) Get the point? Now, for our purposes, I'm going to come back over here to these guys. Now, let me show you how this works. See, I'm anchored into the rock. And then I tell Rick. Where did Rick go? Rick, I tell Rick. And so I'm going to hook into the red part of Rick because I went and I went and shared the gospel with Christ. Do you understand? Now, here's the problem. Rick has a choice. Does he not? I connected into him, shared the gospel with him. Rick has a choice. Rick can go, great, woo, I win, done. Or, why don't you click into Ron Meyer? There you go. Or he can click into there. Now watch this also. So they stay there. There we go. We're all connected to the rock. But here's the deal. But he also connects into Mr. Hess. All right? So in doing so, Rick is connected with two people. Now, Mr. Meyer, why don't you connect in to Mr. Caleb down there? Now, Caleb is one of our our children's workers. And Caleb, we're going to have Patty be a (laughs) seven-year-old. Patty's going to connect into that. But in the process, Amir connects into Mr. Meyer, because by the way, Mr. Meyer is Amir's father-in-law. And by the way, if you don't think that Mr. Meyer was a part of, no, no, if you don't believe that Mr. Meyer was a part of Amir coming to Christ, you'd be wrong. And by the way, I'm telling you by the love of God, there's no way Ron Meyer ever thought Amir Modishan would be an elder of a church. (laughs) There was a day, I'm just telling you, it's true. Cliff, why don't you click in uh, to Mr. Meyer as well? Because they maybe were at the same office. Connect in. There you go. And by the way, Mrs. Temple over here got told about Christ by Cliff. So clip in to, to Cliff, if you will. Cliff. There you go. Now. You do it? Oh, you went up there? There you go. All right, we're all clicked in. Okay, now here's the deal. Here's the miracle. The miracle is this. Notice that I, let's say I talk to Rick. But let me just tell you something. Very quickly, as soon as his faith becomes his own, Rick's not clicked into me anymore. He's clicked into the? He's in the rock, right? Because here's the deal. I was only a part, right? 
I was only a part of this. But as soon as he gets Jesus, I was just a part. Yes, I can be a part of the web. And by the way, if we keep going into your stories, this web would just keep going and going and going. By the way, though, many times, unclick, unclip, if you will, Rick. Unclick, if you will, Mr. Hess. Many times, our story is this. I told Rick, and Rick told nobody else. So therefore, watch this. There is no Hess there is no mire, and what do you see? Do you see this? Folks, there are people that if you connected into them, this is what takes happen. This goes on. But if it stops with you, great, you're going to heaven. But God called you to be a discipler. God called you to be someone who steps into these moments significantly. Now, you can all put your thing, just stay there. I'm going to use you again for a second, so we're going to do this. I'll tell you a story. Youth pastor told me this story. He was a youth pastor, uh, loved his kids, uh, but uh, youth ministry got a lot of him, a lot of his time. And... um, when his kid came to be in teenage years, he was done with the church. Done with the church. Didn't want anything to do with it. He was the youth pastor. And he said, it was the thing that, that got me was this. I lost my son. Roll up 15 years later. It was a kid in his youth group that came to Christ under his watch who clicked into his son. See, God used him pouring into his kids to ultimately get back to his kid, to those kids to get back to his kid. You don't know, by the way, folks, that if you don't tell the story, that maybe someone you were supposed to tell was the person that, listen to me, was supposed to help save your grandkids. See, we talk about this concept. Most of you came to Christ because of a family member clicked into you, right? Close friend clicked into you. But this is where it gets into inner circle. See, the thing about inner circle is this. Some of them are your family members. Some of them are someone that you work out with. Some of them are someone that you just see every time you go to the store and buy something. So, this time, I click into Rick. He, Mr. Hess clicks back in. Yep, there you go. All right, he's clicked back in. Here's my question. Marsha, go, go grab one, please. Would you click into Mr. Hess, please? Red first, there you go. All right, Brian. Come click into Marsha. Now, Marsha, by the way, uh, loves sign, so she's connected, by the way, to our, si- uh, to our deaf community. So another Marsha, come on over. Could you click into Marsha as well? This is going to happen for a little bit. Stephanie?
There you go. Perfect. Stephanie, I'm going to have you connect into your husband. By the way, that goes backwards because Stephanie really is the one that brought Ron to Christ. Just telling you, I know how the story goes. So go back, go back over there. Go, go around the front. And by the way, really, it was her uncle Marion who did it, right? So I know some of the story. Kathy, come on up. Both Kathy's. I want both of you. Come on. If I call you, come on up. Come on. Kathy, go get one. Other Kathy, go get one. Miss, Miss Rose, you may click into Cliff. That's for obvious reasons. Annie. And he doesn't get a click into Caleb. I know. She gets to click into Rick again. Because I want you to see something now happen. So Annie clicks into, into Rick. Now let me ask you, how much more effective has Rick's message become? Far more, right? Far more. But remember this. Every one of them is connected to the rock. Every one of them is connected to the rock. Every one of them is connected to the rock. So therefore, sorry guys, I fail. Hold on to that in. I fail. Mess up. Blow it. This is still connected to the rock. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because I blew it or someone in the chain blows it, it doesn't dismantle the whole thing. Because you're not connected into a person you're connected into the rock. So this is what we want. Each of you now have your connection. We're going to have a time, and I'll come up at the end and close, where the band is going to play. And you may come, and you may get your connection. And by the way, go back to your seat. And if, by the way, the person, do this for me. If the person around you is the person that wants you to Christ, would you connect into them? Model that. See that. And then at the end, I'll tell you what to do. All of you guys can connect and head back to your seats. Everybody else, you can come up and get a connection.
So you each have these. This is our hope for you. You'll put this someplace. And again, it says, go and make disciples. You are the discipler. Do not let this stop with you. Do not miss that who you connect into could have impact on your life and on those you love. Do not miss that there are those in your inner circle who are waiting for you to tell them the gospel so they can clip in to the rock, not you, not to the church, not to a program, not to a building, not to anything but the rock. And they want to clip into that. And it's the thing that will save them in the storms. It will save them when they fall. Let me tell you one last story. As a youth pastor, I I took a group of kids actually up here to uh, the local mountains here uh, to go rock climbing. And I remember that uh, the staff was there, but I had done rock climbing. And um, there's a girl named Jenny. By the way, Jenny today is a missionary in China. So the story becomes really important. A young man who wasn't paying attention, she was all in her harness, she was all good, and he meant to clip her in like this, right? The young man clipped her in like this. She's 30 feet up, and I look, and I can see the loop is not connected. And I remember being in full panic, full panic, and yet very calmly going, Jenny! She's like, yeah! I'm like, are you in a good spot? Yeah! Your feet solid? Yeah! Your hand, when your hand solid? Yeah! Okay! I want to make you safer. Okay! I am waving people to come and be a human basket, right? But she doesn't know this. I said, Jenny, on your belt is a carabiner. Yeah. I said, do you see that loop that's kind of sticking out there? Yeah. I said, look, there's a way for you if you just do this, where you open up that thing like a toothpaste cap. She goes, okay. And you open that door like a gate. She goes, all right. And I go, I want you to then loop into that. She goes, okay. And then just let go of that little gate. She goes, okay. What felt like an hour for her to fumble around, right? Finally loop in, connected. Because now she's connected back to the rock. Let me just say this. Many of you think you're connected in. You go to church. You might even go to a small group. But listen to me. Someone who's really looking might say, you're not connected to the rock. Attendance doesn't connect you to the rock. Being born in a Christian family doesn't connect you to the rock. Living a good life doesn't connect you to the rock. The only thing that connects you to the rock is that then by his blood, you clip in. Don't miss it. Don't leave here today if you need to clip in without making something happen about that. I'll be up front. Come talk to me. Don't think you're clipped in. No. No. 
because I don't want you up there. It's too scary. And I want you safer. Stand as this step on leads us in worship.